From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Tim Karen talks to us about the hardships that come with being a small business owner and the mindset that is needed to succeed as a business owner and why the industry's poor job security can actually be an opportunity to grow and change. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. If you're a strength coach or trainer and tired of using Excel, then you need to check out Team Builder. You already know who they are. Team Builder is the online strength and conditioning software for strength coaches and personal trainers. No matter what your setting is or how many athletes you're training, you can log into Team Builder and write programs, build questionnaires, and access athlete and client performance data. Go completely paperless and program through Team Builder's TV mode, their weight review function, or the mobile app that comes free with every subscription. Start your 14-day trial for free today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, to become part of the hashtag Team Builder Nation alongside with six NCAA national champions, three NCAA runner-ups, Super Bowl champions, and many other championship teams. With affordable subscriptions for personal trainers to personal organizations and professional organizations, everything in between, Team Builder is a company that puts the customer first. If you're still not convinced, schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert on teambuilder.com and see what they can offer you. Hewitt and the staff at Team Builder are standout individuals and their product is phenomenal. Check them out. Perch delivers velocity-based training, no strings attached. Perch was engineered at MIT and uses compact 3D cameras to monitor and manage weight room performance without being a distraction. Perch is a VBT built for the 21st century. Attach Perch to any weight rack in minutes. While you lift, Perch uses cameras to passively collect velocity and power data, output in real time, and store it in post-workout analysis. Perch is a revolutionary and innovative sports technology device that enhances workouts, reduces injuries, and saves time. Perch works with every level organization from the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the military, D1 through high school, the private sector, and the home gym. Perch is portable, easy to install, and intuitive to use, making it ideal for every facility and every training goal. No more pre-workout setup, no more wearables, no more broken strings. Set Perch up once, optimize every rep, every set, and every training session. Train with increased precision and measure and manage your progress every step of the way. For exclusive deals and offers, head to perch.fit slash chalk. Again, that's perch.fit slash chalk to check out deals, exclusive offers, and see how Perch can help take your program to the next level. Do you think that's, I know, I know at army, that's a very disciplined athlete and it's a very disciplined athlete. Nick, you said he had an all-star cast. Is this something that you think you could take with you 
Uh, you know, I'm at the school of mines, which is a D2 full of engineers. They're very high level engineers, but they're engineers. Or could you have taken it with you? You, you know, you briefly said you thought about it at USC or Ole Miss. Uh, um, is, is that something that you would say anybody should look into is what this book and, and the progressions of it? So the reason why we chose the book cover is because I'm a big fan of the idea of models. And I think the best book on that resource would be Great Mental Models by um, Farnham Street and Shane Parrish. And and one of the things I think you get from that is just the initial line from Charlie Munger, all models are wrong, but some are useful. With this being said is, and this is an awful plug for my book, and I'm aware of that, but I, I have to be, integrity is really important to me, where there's this element of this isn't a one size fits all. This isn't the the, per, the proverbial answer. It's just a thing that you could think about on how to leverage potentially archetype driven sport like football or track and field or maybe even rugby in your setting and thinking, hey, do I actually have a clear and a clear and actual deliberate rationale behind why I would do more eccentric focus versus concentric focus, or even isometric in a yielding or overcoming. And the first chapter is really, will this work? And it, it depends, right? It depends on a lot of things. It depends on is it actually needed in the first place. If I have basketball team, like let's say I'm playing small ball and they're all six foot four and they all have to be really, really well conditioned and tough and all these things. And they're not great movers in the quote unquote weight room. I don't know if that's a great model to go. Yeah. I'm going to throw this strength deficit at them. It should work. Right. Like, I don't think that's a great idea versus like, all right, if I have football and even baseball, right. Like say I have my, my first baseman, my pitchers, whatever, right? I have these like groups I can kind of classify and like, oh, I'm going to definitely need to get eccentric with these guys or so I definitely need to get concentric with these guys or just in general of like, all right, well, over the course of a four-year period of the college athlete, just having this concept of, well, if I did want to focus more on eccentric, why is that beneficial? Why is that important? And hopefully that's a resource for that. Uh, It's designed off of how I did it with football and it's written in that way. So it's, it's largely speaking to that football strength conditioning coach um, and the readers outside of that hopefully have that perspective and hopefully I'm being as clear and as transparent as possible throughout the entire book. However, on the other end, there is this dynamic of, I think we just kind of throw stuff at that, at our athletes of time to do eccentric or time to do concentric or time to do ISOs without really having a clear reason behind that. And I don't want to like typecast strength coach if we're just, throwing stuff out there and hoping, right? I, I think there's a lot of like gray area and I, I feel in my instincts and my intuition that we should be more eccentric oriented, right? Like I want to improve this guy's biomechanics, right? Eccentric front squats is usually one of the best things you can do to reinforce position and technique. And um, just honestly, it's just hard, right? But on the other end, is, is there an actual physiological or biomotor kind of outcome that we can get from that? And if it is, and like, it's even more proof that you should have done that in the first place. So as we're looking through this for the strength and conditioning coach reading this, and they're saying, is this actually a good resource for me to dive into? I'm biased, but absolutely yes. But you as the reader need to be objective of where this does and doesn't apply from the onset. And I wanted to be extremely forthright with that at the beginning and you going forward from there going, 
okay, like I need to discern between, all right, this, my athletes, I need to improve their eccentric ability because I think they have to be really good in space or play with basketball or I, I coach a soccer team and they have to be really good in space. And then the other side is, you know, it's pretty much time tested, proven the methods in which we train our athletes is concentric, but hopefully giving you a little bit more rationale as to why you need to do that. And then the final half of the book is just simply the practical application of things you need to be associated with. And I'm working on it now, but I actually now have a second book I've been writing here for the past since I sent this over to the uh, publishers of of how do I program in a team setting? And I think that like practical aspect is going to be answered a lot in that. Um, in between then and now, I'm going to put together some sort of courses so you can kind of get more of the practical aspect of, hey, I got a team of 120 guys training three days a week. They're engineers first, football players second, and training to become better football players while becoming engineers. What can I do here, right? Like, all right, yeah, okay, well, we're getting closer to season. So maybe your skill guys within that group, you go, okay, this group is going to do a 5-0-X-O tempo. This group's going to do a 2-0-X-O tempo. Or maybe, hey, I'm going to use weight release hooks for these guys, or I'm going to use accommodating resistances for these guys based off their position. And it, and you're saying, hey, we're all doing front squat today. We're all doing back squat today. I'm just going to make this one tweak over here versus there. And then you're just making that game time decision based off of that, right? And on the other level, it goes, I don't feel confident on that. Well, pick the exercise that you could be successful with and then make more of a global prescription based off of their really, really inefficient from a non-counter movement perspective or a counter movement perspective. And hopefully it kind of closes the gap because, man, I've coached it all. High school, Division three, Army West Point, USC, Georgia Tech. And I've had a program in all these places. And you've had the, the benefit of really tough, hardworking guys that will run through a brick wall that you say they do. On the other end, it's guys who are extremely talented, who maybe don't have an appreciation for these things on, on a level that you would hope doesn't necessarily make a mess. It's just not as impactful. So I want to be successful with those guys and I want to do a program that they value. So maybe I don't get as crazy nuanced and specific with them. And having that like experience and realizing that. And the one thing I hope comes out out of all this is I'm not speaking hypotheticals. I'm not talking about like, oh, this is what I would do in your circumstance. I did it and I'm still doing it. And I still have 500 people that I'm programming for between my gyms I'm currently working with that I have to think about. And I it's to the point of that, is this practical? I work with Gen Poppy mostly and I have some athletes that come and train with me. The athletes I do, I try to put them in this archetype if it's relevant. The rest of my general populations is really just focusing on aesthetics. So is it that important? Maybe not. Do I want to know that number and saying, okay, I've been doing eccentrics to get more time under tension to get more either body compositional changes or adding more lean muscle mass. That's probably my bigger thing. So it's more and more going into body composition and lean body mass, but I can look at strength deficit as kind of like this checks and balances, like, damn, we're getting pretty heavily skewed towards the, the non-counter movement, or we got a pretty low RSI, like probably need to include some plyometrics to improve rate of force development and get some more eccentric emphasis in there. But as a whole, like, I understand that that's a model I use for athletics and football specifically. And I have that knowledge and insight in the back of my mind when I'm programming for other populations. And it just makes me more competent. And as I was writing the book and researching all the stuff, I'm like, I actually is a really good thing I should be thinking about with my gen pop. And then the same thing with maybe non, my non-archetype driven sports or 
honestly, logistically challenging sports, right? You got, you got 30 minutes, two racks, 30 kids. We've been there. We all know what that's like. Probably can't do weight release hooks, you know? So I have to think about something else. Like, do I want to put tempo on goblet squat? Do I want to put tempo on push-ups? Can I get away with doing this? Or just do I want to use tempo because I think it's going to make it more progressive from one week to the next and more challenging for the athlete that has limited availability of the tools that I need to help them in a traditional weight room setting. I think that's great. And I, I, I'll definitely uh, applaud you because that, that practical application is like, I can't think the key thing that separates the book smart coach from the, like a coach that can, you know, at least apply what they know and make a good program. And I kind of want to use that to uh, slingshot in you. So you said you have, you know, hundreds of people that you help out at, at, at Allegiant and, so you have two locations currently in, in California and what, what was it like starting up that new location? Cause I know it kind of resembles some of the original location, but it's, it's different in a lot of ways. So um, what was that like taking, I mean, I mean, if you can't tell how busy you are, I mean, you wrote a book, <laughs> you already got another one, you're already writing and you just opened up a new location and, you know, might be words of another location. And then you got all these um, clients and everything going on. So you're definitely a busy man, but what was it like opening that new location that you got? And what was your, I guess, what was the mindset going into it, having had your original location and what you bring into there? You know, I, I would open up with, and again, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a lot of blogs on my personal website about strength conditioning and just how hard the job is. And I think a lot of people are negatively associating what they see from strength conditioning coaches in the college level without even knowing what the job is in itself, right? Like, you know, like I, the stuff that gets posted on social is probably largely out of my hands if the team doesn't want me to do a certain thing or the coach doesn't want me to do a certain thing or I'm a hamstrung. I'm just that. Like, I mean, I, I could tell you with some of the sports I've had, like I've had swimming and diving at USC and I was proud of the effort those athletes gave, but I was pretty limited on what that coach wanted me to do. Not because he didn't value strength conditioning because he thought that I was a generic quote football strength conditioning coach. And he didn't have faith that I was going to put best interests of his athletes at heart. I, I, all right, what do I say to that? You know, like I, I've researched swimming and diving. I've looked up a lot of different things. I'm trying to be as competent as possible. So if someone was going to go, ah, you're kind of full of it, man. I saw your swimming and diving strength conditioning program. Like, did you, were you in the meeting when I was sitting there with the swim coach? He basically called me an idiot and he didn't like me. Were you there? Or were you there when he pulls my pulls athletes out of the weight room because quote unquote he doesn't like what we're doing when he approved it? Like, you don't know. You have no idea. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slap belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. 
This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. But with that being said, is the other side is the things that you start to really love, like, and you start to like appreciate, like, I think most transition coaches are type A and they're motivated and want to be great, right? It's the reason why we go to conferences, we read books. We do more than any other of our counterparts in our athletic department. Like I would take that test any day of the week comparing strength conditioning department to all of the counterparts in terms of support between athletic medicine or sports medicine, study, students, student services like study hall, academic advisors, sports psychology, nutrition, no one in that athletic department is committed to their personal development as a strength conditioning coach. So the desire to be there is amazing. And how do we keep that flame burning hot? It's that desire for one more, right? I want more for my department, more for myself. And what really happens off of that is maybe this transitional effect from job to job. Like the downside is the poor job security. The upside is, man, I go into a new environment and I start fresh. I've had, I've gotten fired twice and I go into that next job with a renewed vigor that is unparalleled and unmatched. And you think you leave up, you get fired at USC that you're burnt out. Like, man, I was working 80 hour week, seven days a week, not taking a vacation day for four years in the highest stress environment in the most political place I've ever been. And I walked into army that first day, wanted to just go nuts. And I don't think that happens in other professions. And when I look at it, like, I have an opportunity to fix all the things I did wrong. And I know what I did wrong at USC. It was me. It was my personal approach. I had to be the absolute bad guy every single day. Can I still be hold people accountable without being just relentless and unempathetic and unsympathetic? I have to do some in soul searching now for me. And I wanted to change, become better at that. And I had a much better relationship with my athletes and army than I did at USC, relatively speaking, because of it. But on the other end, that desire to grow and change was built and forged working in strength conditioning, working at Velocity, working at Harvard, working at Georgia Tech, working at Ole Miss, working at Springfield, Georgia Tech, USC, Army. I could tell every single one of those places and every athlete I ever worked with there knew I worked really hard and they I busted my ass every single day for every single one of those athletes from what I put on the floor to what I did from an education standpoint. So when I went to the commercial side, really long-winded preference, by the way, so I apologize for that. No, I'm excited. This is good. I wanted an opportunity from a strength conditioning perspective in a commercial setting that I could replicate that, that burning fire, right? This like, and it could be just, I, man, I'm going to burn and crash here 10 years from now. I could, who knows? But I feel like we have a small window of opportunity to make a, a relevant impact on people around us. So we better capitalize on that. But human nature is once we get to a certain point where we feel safe or we feel like there's no point, we resign to our fate and become complacent. So when my business partners, partners approach to me, approach to me, they want to replicate a strength and conditioning environment for everybody. And they said they want to scale it. 
it, it immediately dawned on me. I can replicate that new job feeling without getting fired. <laughs> and, you know, so took damn near four years and I blame COVID and the pandemic because it slipped that back two years, but we got that opportunity to open up our second facility and we got that and we opened it up and so starting from scratch, you have zero people. Everyone keeps asking what's the difference between you and a CrossFit, which I hate that question. It just means we're not there yet. And I can tell everybody who's listening to this, we are definitively different than CrossFit. We are principle based. We are systematic. We are pragmatic. We have progression. We screen people. We don't do things that are contraindicated, et cetera, not to not CrossFit. It just is what it is. I don't want to be associated with them and I don't want to be compared to them, but just when we open up, new facility that's the first question we get and it's and it's it's a logical question you see racks and barbells and you think oh okay i don't know anything comparatively speaking in the commercial fitness industry is this like that no and that fight right that that redundant question we get in year three of our current locate our first location we have enough members to be profitable and we are doing well from a business perspective that gets old and mundane you open up a new facility with zero people in any class and not enough members to be profitable. And you're like, oh, I can't really go through why it is. And I, that, that renewed fire and that passion towards answering the redundant questions that you get when you're in the same place, man, I got that. And I feel like automatically, man, I feel like I'm on day one in army here walking into Santa Monica. And then the other part, and if you look at yourself from a solution based person like right like i like to think about this as we're just great tacticians and lo and lo logistical expert experts and the things that we built in as a model from the ingress egress to how we structure our groups to how we function our groups to where the coaches stands to how the coach puts people in during a movement prep versus how we transition to the racks all these things that you take for granted that you learned man i remember when i was at springfield we had to do it this way and then when i got to georgia tech i had a full access to a, a field and a turf that i can use anytime and then we got to usc and we we're in this crappy weight room that what field was this far away you, you you automatically think like i have all these again different models or examples i had to do based off of my circumstance right like being that high school strength coach and having two racks and 100 kids looking at me like what do you do like you know that element of now I get that again and that fat passion of looking at, all right, we're still going to do block periodization in three days of total body strength conditioning and telling everyone it's going to be based off of principles of training and screening and going through force deck and movement screen and FRA type of stuff with everyone. And that's our blueprint. And then going through of like, well, how does that look here? Because they walk in here and they have to migrate over here and the lockers are over here and the bathrooms over here it's not the same format and plan. And we had different coaches here with different experiences. Like I had, I had coaches in our first location that have been with me since 2017. And we all collectively learn this together. We go to our next location. We have coaches who never coached in our facility before with our system. We're learning our system while learning how we're doing it. You almost have to completely throw out everything you did and start from scratch in a way. And you realize like, Man, and what we do now is we have all these really cool things that are second order because of it. We have this cool correspondence and we have a logistics tab on our Slack of how are we doing it here versus how we're doing it there. And it's like this whole other thought process that I, I was visioning and, and hoping that it would keep the, the, the sword sharp and give me that opportunity to really challenge me to, hey, let's make sure that our program is delivered in the best possible way and understanding logistics and quality control are the two big levers we need to pull on that. And what that looks like is different from one location to another. 
And a little foreshadowing, we've got a third location opening up here in September. And we're now thinking about it. What were the mistakes? So I did a post-mortem. What were the mistakes I made in year one of, of our Redondo location? What was the mistakes that we did in year one or Santa Monica location? And how can we prove upon that? We're refining and getting better from a staffing perspective, from a just an organization's perspective. Like a simple thing of we had we had probably three trials at best, first-time visits in our first location in any given class. I would be like, oh my God, this is nuts. To our first time we opened in Santa Monica, we had 18 first-time visits. It was overwhelming, and we lost a bunch of people because we didn't think we delivered our product and having to explain it, organize it, structure it, and leaning on the people that actually do understand what's going on and understanding that they can flow through this and not going to need as much direct one-on-one -on -one attention. So what do we learn from that? Okay, we need to probably consolidate down how many people we take in for first visits or just shrink the class time so we can be more successful as a coach and be more successful in delivering our product. We think it's special and unique and highest quality you can get, but it doesn't doesn't look that way when you have 18 people who are are not going to give you that benefit of the doubt or not going to understand this intuitively or don't have any other people in that group to model themselves after. Okay. What do we learn? We have to do something differently. And then how do we organize people from a movement prep perspective? Like, what do we learn from that? How do we transition to people tracking their weights or getting them on our, like our, will we use bridge for tracking their stuff on there? Like all these things, it's like, all right, we're just getting better in system. So that like renewed vigor towards doing it better is coming around the bend every, and just from the, the other fun part is, you know, the idea when you're, so you have a budget, how you spend that budget is kind of up to your discretion, so to speak, in terms of that, but you're playing with house money in a way. And there's something that you might want. You're like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to do it. Cause I really want this. And I, I want that piece. Right. Like I, I really, I really want a Kratos from Kabuki. I think it'd be cool. I let really, I, I really, really, dig the whole idea of inertial based training and flywheel and everything in that i think kabuki is amazing okay what does it cost oh, okay that's coming out of my pocket and that's coming out of my direct profit and loss so now when i look at designing this new facility is what is absolutely needed and then looking back in 2017 mistakes i made in redondo and then looking towards 2020 and what i made mistakes in santa monica and saying okay I'd be stupid to make that same mistake again. If it's collecting dust or if it's not really utilized, I don't need it versus the greater good and versus something I just wanted. And you realize when you're one location, you come in there every single day and it's not your money. You're like, eh, whatever, I'll use it. And it's sitting in one location, never getting used. Like it creates this different thought process. And the other big part, which is now too, of like, well, if I make one decision for one facility, I got a three X that. We have a goal of being 50 locations nationwide as our kind of and thinking about if I was going to buy this one thing, could I afford it 50x? And would it be impactful 50x? And could I staff this 50x? And would this work 50x? And we have to reverse engineer from that. And that whole process is just, it's, it's really, really passionate. And what I don't want to do here is just give this overly romanticized thing of like, go open your business and the world can be your oyster. Like, there's a lot of hard, there's a lot of hardship. And I lost half my savings year one from just having to basically go out of pocket and not take a salary and get this thing up and going. And we're humming now we're rolling, but you know, I, if I didn't save enough money for being a head strength coach and having my house paid for from army West point, I wouldn't have that money in my savings to be able to do this. So I'd probably had to stop after year one on top of it. 
man, you talk about like, if you don't work those 80 hour weeks, your place will cease to exist. All right. You know, like versus you resent it because you're working for somebody. It's not making any more direct money for you or you're just not appreciated here. No one cares if I'm making more money or unappreciated. The whole thing will cease to exist if I don't do it. So the, the, the dilemma of being a small business owner slash like the, the perils of most small businesses fail because most people really don't realize the actual work and skill set you need to have to do it. You know, you need to have that as well. But for me and the locations and building out from that, like, man, that like process of like why I'm invigorated to writing more books or writing more blogs or doing more podcasts or doing things that are going to build into, um, you know, hopefully making our business more robust and, and more anti-fragile and able to get to that point in terms of 50 gyms, you know, that's, that's an amazing thing that I feel so proud and happy to be a part of. And like, you know, that's how I keep the the fire burning hot right now. It's just cause you know, every day it's like, I got a lot to do to keep this thing, this ship going forward. And, you know, it's spinning plates a lot, but man, I feel like those plates, if they keep spinning, it's going to get us to what we want and putting a dent in the universe. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a strength coach is difficult. And someone once said on our podcast, we pour so much into helping our athletes become better, but we forget who's pouring back into us to help us become better. Without a healthy mind coaching on the floor, programming, and maintaining the juggling act that we call life can be difficult. The good news is the therapists at BetterHelp are here to help you. Therapy can be whatever you want it to be. Maybe you need the tools to help you keep motivated, or maybe you're feeling burnt out from long days in the weight room, or you just need someone to talk to. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist at a time that works for you. We have a very busy schedule as a strength coach, and the last thing we need to do is be driving to an office and sitting in a waiting room. Simply log into your account and message or speak to your therapist from anywhere at a time that works for you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp also assesses your needs and will match you with one of over 20,000 therapists in their network. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and make your mind your best asset. We train to keep our bodies strong and resilient. Now it's time to invest in our mental health too. And as a special offer to Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 listeners, you can get 10% off your month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash chalk. That's betterhelp.com slash C-H-A-L-K. And thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed 
working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.